Welcome to another bonus episode of Tim Talk, the podcast usually about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, today we are taking a detour, a much needed detour oh fr- from I, Zeta. <laughs> when you sent me that text of like, hey, do you want to not talk about Zeta this week? I was, I nearly fell into tears. Uh, I mean, you have you have spent basically two days straight at Disneyland. Factoring that in, was that the best moment of your week when you realized you didn't have to watch Zeta? It it was. It was. <laughs> I was at Disney for two days in 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 order to balance out the pain of what Zeta brings me. I need two full days of magic. Well, we can hear the Disney in your voice today, Cameron. Yeah. I mean, that voice right now, it's it's gravelly. I'm hearing it in the cans. It's very sexy. It's working. It's working Thank for you. you. You know, I, I try sometimes. Yeah. I really try and to bring the the audio smolder. And you got a bit of a tan going on right now. You've mm-hmm. been out in the sun. Your beard's looking good. I yeah. Cameron, I'm not can't. sure if we're gonna be on offset to this couch by the time this podcast is done. I think I'm just gonna keep scooting closer and closer. No, we're gonna keep this computer between us. And this brick wall that you've built. Uh, well, though, we are back this week, taking a break from Zeta to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home, because, yes. of course, we love to cover these things when they come out. Um, but we sat down to record, and like, we actually don't have that much to say really about the movie, other than we both really, really enjoyed it's it. It's really, really good. Everyone yeah. should go see it. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you probably go see these movies already. One would hope. Yeah. Yeah. So, But we figured, you know, there's also been a lot of news this week, so maybe we'll be kind Weirdly of a, 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 a split episode. Yeah. We'll, do, we'll do news. We'll do Spider-Man. We'll, we'll cover a bit of it. So <clears throat> lots of stuff did come out this week. A lot of trailer talk. But Cameron, where do you want to start with all the things that have been going on this week in entertainment news? Uh, well, let's do. Let's start with the trailers. Let's start right. with. Uh, let's do uh, Jumanji first because that's the probably the the worst of the stuff we got this week. What? Which is sad. I mean, it, I say that, but it's still a good trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I love this trailer. Yeah, I think it's it's very. I love seeing The Rock try and be Danny DeVito. It's so fucking fantastic. For me, the best moments of the trailer are actually Kevin Hart doing uh, Danny Glover. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the biggest Kevin Hart fan, but I'll be damned if I don't laugh my ass off every time I see that trailer. And I have seen it a lot. Yeah. Every time I go to an AMC. It plays twice. Oh my God, it plays so many times. But it's the one trailer that I... I actually enjoy when I see it. It was kind of like the the Mission, or not the Mission Impossible, Men in Black International trailer. Mm-hmm. It would always make me laugh whenever I, I would see it. It would bring me a little spot of joy. Yeah. I haven't seen the film. hurts terrible. It's not great. Yeah, probably not going to see it, but I am super excited for Jumanji. Yeah. I, I'm very curious who the other two will turn into, because I assume they're going to be in the game somewhere. Yeah. And I feel like one of them is going to be... Um, Joe, Nick Jonas. Oh, it's very possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably. I bet the hot girl is gonna be Nick Jonas, and she's gonna just love being another hot person. Do you think? Do you think who else we saw in the trailer? We we saw a bit of Aquafina in there. Do we think maybe mm-hmm. that the main guy Spencer is gonna end up being Aquafina? I have no idea. My first thought was he's gonna be the villain. Oh, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I know who the villain is. Who was the villain in the last one? Was there a villain? Yes. Yes, because they were racing to the Panther Mountain thing. I don't remember who the actor was. I'm going to be honest. I actually don't remember much of that movie other than the fact that I really enjoyed it. I'm going to throw out my my broad guess. Okay. Ray Fiennes. I mean, I would love that. Yeah. If that were the case. Um, I mean, speaking of Rafe's, is it Rafe Spall? I feel like he pops up as the the sort of hapless villain in so many things these days. Mm-hmm. 
I do love him. He's very handsome. Uh, let's see. Oh, it was uh, this guy, Bobby. Uh, oh, Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He was in. I love mm. him. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the yeah, the new one looks super fun. Like the the twist on this one is when they go back into the game. Uh, the Rock is now embodied by the grandfather of the original main character, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito, and then Kevin Hart is uh, his friend, Danny Glover, mm-hmm. uh, and then fridge the big guy is now jack black yes and then martha the redhead i think is still the same i think she's the one that's yeah yeah, yeah. Still yeah she's like karen gillian but there's some really good gags in that in that trailer i mean the thing is it's the exact same trailer as the first one yeah but they just know the formulas i mean this is like the impression game the movie yeah and it's working it, for me yeah and that's the thing is it works really well because I've talked about this a little bit, that I haven't loved The Rock the last few years. I miss when he was a little bit more fun and self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. And the Jumanji movies for me are the exception there, where those are the movies where he's playing a little bit more against type or making fun of his persona. Yeah, they, they push it so far up yeah. that it's it's comedic. Which I really love, because I feel like now yeah, he's just become... Yeah, weakness is none. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and smoldering intensity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because he mostly just plays Luke Hobbs now and everything. And don't get me started on the fucking Fast and the Furious trailer. Are we going to talk about the Fast and the Furious trailer? So, I mean, I'm going to get dragged to that movie by you and Shane. Yeah, you will be clawing your way. You, actually, you and Shane will be theater. like battling with Jason to see who's going to drag me to that, go to that fucking movie. Yes. The weirdest thing is there's one aspect that I'm actually looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And this sounds asinine considering what movie it is. I'm actually looking forward to the dialogue the most. That is the only is part of this trailer. No, the only parts of the trailer that I enjoy are their chemistry between those two. I think okay. those two actually are really funny. All of the action to me looks terrible because it's all just really generic CGI smashy smashy stuff. None of it's practical anymore. Uh, all that looks terrible. Also, do love Vanessa Kirby, so that part's kind of fun for me. I do too. really like her. Um, I'm oh, excited to see her. She is actually rumored to be in consideration for Catwoman in The Batman, and I think that is brilliant. Okay, casting. Um, but yeah, no, super excited for Jumanji. That looks really, really fun. Uh, we might have to do an episode on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other trailers did you watch this week? Uh, let's see. We we had we had some Disney news. Uh, oh, let's let's do Current War because that one looks great. Oh yeah, it there's not good. really a lot to say about it. No, I mean, so it's it's a movie about the the battle between Tesla Edison, exactly alternating current and direct current. Um, this movie was actually made a few years ago. I, I just learned that it was out in 2017. Yeah, and basically when the Weinstein so this scandal is pre, broke. Yeah, this is pre Spider Man Tom Holland. Um, but I mean, but it would have been post. They would have filmed it, but the movie Civil been War. Out yet. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he right. would have been out as Spider-Man at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and he, I mean, he had other roles, too. Did you ever see um, The Lost World of Z with Charlie Hunnam and Robert Pattinson I, and Tom I Holland? I started it twice and fell asleep 15 minutes in both times. I mean, that's fair. It's slow, mm-hmm. uh, but based off a recommendation from a, from a friend of mine, I watched it. It's really, really good. Okay, good. Really good. It was good. on HBO for a while. I think they took it off by now, but I, I kept trying to watch it on HBO. Yeah, I would definitely recommend checking it out. But I mean, that had come out, so Tom Holland was a bit of a name. But yeah, it's it's Tom Holland, uh, Michael Shannon, Benedict Cumberbatch, and uh, Nicholas Beast, Holtz. Yeah, I was like Beast Boy. Yeah, great, great, great British cast playing America's founders. Exactly. Um, actually, America's yes, you're yeah. right. There's only one American in that cast. Yeah. <laughs> it's Michael Shannon. But yeah, that movie. The most American. Oh, he's so American. Did you ever see Revolutionary Road? 
I did not. This is a movie he got his Oscar nomination for. He's great in it. I really hated that movie, though. Okay. He's such a fascinating character. He is. Because you, have you, I want to say there was like a, maybe a Nerdist podcast. There was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so interesting. He's yeah, like really funny. He, he still funny. has a, a flip phone. Yeah. That only has like, t- I think he said like two photos on it. Do you uh, think Michael Shannon's going to become the next Bill Murray? In just that weird, like disaffected, disconnected I, persona? I, I don't think so. Because I don't think he's funny. I mean, he, he has the ability to be funny, but that's yeah. not his general presence. Yeah. His general presence is a little too intimidating. Very intense. Yeah. I think he, he enjoys playing cause, kind of the mean crazy mm-hmm. as opposed to, as opposed to like the, the oblivious, the yeah, oblivious crazy. Yeah. I just, yeah, I had more stuff with Michael Shannon, the better. Mm-hmm. Although I, I mean, I could see Michael Shannon in Groundhog Day. Oh, now there's an idea. Mm-hmm. I'd watch that. Yeah. I'd totally it feels watch like that it, remake. It fits so well. It does, actually. I almost, that, why does something about that feels familiar? Like yeah. I, like, I've heard that before. Maybe he's in a, a different movie with a similar premise. Wait, is he in that? Is he? Is, uh, is he in that as, like, the cameraman or something? For some reason, I'm already associating Michael Shannon with Groundhog Day, and I'm not quite sure why. Only go to Google. That would be so bizarre, but some part of me that feels right. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, Michael. So the the uh, article title is Michael Shannon remembers the time Bill Murray humiliated him on the set of Groundhog Day. That's why we're both thinking this. I think he tells that story in that podcast interview. Yes. Yeah. Fuck. That's right. Mm, he was a teenage background actor in Groundhog Day. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. Subconscious reconnection. That's crazy. Michael Shannon just incepting the both of us yeah. into casting him in a Groundhog Day This has been one big grand scheme to slowly be more and more like the character. Uh, I think he should play the lead that also still that random background character yes. that just aged up. Mm-hmm. There's like a, they look at each other and then don't talk about it. Yeah. Think of all the theories. Oh like, my god! Oh, oh yeah! It's like is that another version of him that's yeah. like trapped there? Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I and lo- then it could be a sequel for some people where that kid has also been reliving the same day alongside oh, him for the yeah. past forty years. See, that is a cool idea. Yeah, because you've seen Groundhog Day, right? I have seen Groundhog Day. One of the things that I love about it is they never explain it. Yeah, which is fantastic. I don't think you need to. Sometimes that's the best part of like. 80s and 90s movies is no one had to explain anything. No, and I feel like now, now you, we're too bogged down by it. You have to explain it, and sometimes that just that actually ruins it. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes. we are starting to get out of that a little bit. Where now, because especially in Spider-Man, which we're about to talk about, um, when they talk about kind of the multiverse instead of because you know compared to the Flash, where there was a full episode where they literally rolled out a chalkboard. It's like. Here's how multiverse works. Yeah. Where in this one, it's kind of three sentences. Or even in Into the Spider-Verse, where it's literally talked about... In the background. Under main dialogue. Yeah. Well, I think what happened was, back in the day, filmmakers, like, out of the audience won't care about these things, or they are, like, too dumb to, like, really think about them too much, so don't bother addressing them. Yeah. And then at a certain point, the studio's like, oh, like, maybe our audiences will ask these questions, we should answer them. And then when you answer them, sometimes it ruins it. I think um, Us is a good example of that. Did you see Us? I've not seen Us. Great idea. As soon as they try to explain why, for mm-hmm. me, the mythology falls all apart. I, I think, I'm, I'm sure it started before this, but I feel like Twitter is to blame. 
when we gave a voice to those dumb people that didn't get it. Uh, and now uh, filmmakers are a very loud voice. But, and now they're like, oh, these people are very loud. So it must, there must be a lot of them because we hear them so loudly. Right. They're just constantly shouting into the void, either yeah. on Twitter <clears throat> or on their podcasts. Yes. And so not being able to see over that wall, assuming it's 100,000 people, when instead it's 15 holding up three megaphones each. <laughs> um, but they've stacked them like Bart Simpson. No, so no, the no. The voices not, get louder and louder. It, it's not stacked there. It's kind of like a, a cone. Oh, so it okay. sounds like it's coming from multiple places. <laughs> Uh, I love you know, it. I do love that moment in The Simpsons. It's so good. Uh, what were we talking about? Michael, Michael Shannon's Shannon? future career. Future, oh yeah, the, uh, the Curtain War. So that yeah. Um, yeah, so that was a Weinstein movie that was slated to come out not too long after the the big story broke about obviously all of Weinstein's sexual misconduct, mm-hmm. uh, which is like the most euphemistic way of explaining what he did. But, uh, you know, when the whole company was basically falling apart, that movie got basically put in turnaround and no one knew what was going to happen with it. Um, I'm glad to see that it is eventually coming out because it's, it's an interesting story. I like all those actors a lot. And, um, you know, it's, it's weird to say this, but it's like it's not their fault. It's not the fault of any of the filmmakers anyone right. involved in making it. Yeah. That that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad it's coming out because it looks pretty good. I, I am a little upset with the delay because I feel like that movie was coming out not at the peak, but kind of just past the hump of like everyone falling in love with Tesla. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like no one talks about him anymore. Like, there's even that moment in the trailer where it's like, nothing in this world ever will have the name Tesla on it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, did you, did you wink into the camera mm-hmm. when you said that? Ding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm hoping it's good. Um, did you see the Knives Out trailer? I have seen the Knives Out trailer. I'm here for it. I know. Same. It looks... I mean, I, I love I love me a good murder mystery. Oh, same. Give me a locked room murder mystery. That is my peak genre. Yeah. Bottle episode murder mystery. I'm in. Oh, bring it on. Uh, so we, we had a brief conversation about this before. There was a book that I read. Read. Ah. That I read I, I, in middle school. I am humbled and impressed. Yes. Uh, that I couldn't remember the title. I remember loving it as a kid. And I haven't been able to remember the title of it. For years, probably 15 years, I've been hunting for this book title. And when this movie trailer came out, I'm like, oh, that kind of reminds me of the Westing game. And I'm like, holy fuck, that's the book I've been trying to think of for the past See, 15 years. You, you had to just not think about it. And then boom, it would come right back. Yeah, to you. and it just came. It just came to me. Uh, no, I mean, it looks fantastic. So this is the uh, next film to be written, directed by Ryan Johnson. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Filmmaker that I do love. Have you seen Brick? Which is no. his like teen neo noir with Justin Gordon Levitt. So yeah, I mean it's it's not a locked room murder mystery, but it's like a a, a Unlo- murder un- noir room murder mystery. Exactly, They're all the doors all the doors want. are open. It's out yeah. in an open fields and yeah. a pasture. They just choose not to leave. Yeah, uh, but it's Justin Gordon Levitt, and he's a, like this kid in high school, and he's basically trying to solve this murder. Um, and so it's heightened as mm-hmm. you would have to be to follow that plot. But it's really really good. And then I, I didn't love Looper, but I liked it. Um, yeah, you know, and then of course I I enjoyed, but still have issues with uh, the Last Jedi. But I think he's a really talented filmmaker, and uh, this movie looks amazing because, like we said, it's uh, in our genre wheelhouse. But also, let me just in our actor wheelhouse. Uh, exactly. Let me read through this cast here. So uh, Chris Evans, Captain America himself, mm-hmm. Daniel Craig, James Bond himself. Yes. The aforementioned Michael Shannon. 
I, oh, I didn't realize he was in it. Background extra from Groundhog Day himself. Background extra extraordinaire Michael Shannon. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Tony Collette. Uh, Catherine Langford, who most people would know as the main girl from 13 Reasons Why. Yes. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who I saw in, um, what's that Netflix movie? It's a super generic title, but it's really good. The one with Gino Rodriguez. doesn't matter, but he's really good. Um, uh, I know him from uh, Sorry to Bother You. Right, yeah, that was mm-hmm. his big break. Oh, Ricky Lindholm's in it. Christopher Plummer, Don Johnson, Frank Oz. Something Great, is that the Netflix one? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone Great, Something Great. Someone Great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then is this the guy I think it is? Oh, no, that's someone different. Um, but, I mean, what a gotcha. Oh, then Anna, um, Anna Armas, who was in Blade Runner 2049 and is one of the next Bond girls, too. Yeah. So I am here... For all of it. I know. it, And the trailer just looks fun. Like it, it's because uh, we've had kind of pretty all-star casts similar to this before. Like I'm thinking um, Murder on the Orient had a Which pretty... Was, st- okay. It was a fine movie, but amazing cast. Uh, yeah. Um, and there was, there was another... Oh, I, I, it's just slipped my mind. But usually when we get these star-studded casts, there's kind of like a hierarchy thing where everyone... The writer doesn't want a hierarchy, so they try and kind of like level everyone out, and I think that kind of kills some performances. Yeah. Whereas this one, I feel like it's a fucking free for all. No, it's definitely. Anytime I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, I feel like it's a fucking free for all because she, no matter how much you try and balance it out, she's just gonna steal everything. I I saw a Melrose once. Did you really? Like from my car, and even from a distance, I was in love with her. There's a there's a YouTube channel that I watch. It's a it's a um, gaming channel where her son was a big fan of the of the two guys and so for his birthday she went on the show with them it was her and her son playing Mar- playing Mario Kart with these two gamers oh my god and she is fucking ruthless i bet she is she's like she when she starts playing she doesn't know how the game works and the second she figures it out she's like oh my new purpose is to make sure i don't win but you two are going to lose as hard as you can what game were they playing uh, mario party okay Oh my god! It's so fun. It's like an hour long episode. Uh, if you just want to watch people play Mario Party with Jamie Lee Curtis talking in the background, I recommend it. It's that very sounds fun. amazing. I yeah. can just watch that on loop. Yeah, I mean, I watch pretty much anything with her, up to and stopping at Scream Queens, which I couldn't finish. Same, but mostly it has to do with Ryan Murphy and not her. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I am really, really excited for this. And because you're talking about when they had these big ensemble casts, I feel like oh, I was thinking of uh, Tarantino. Oh, yeah, Tarantino does these big casts, mm-hmm. too. Um, um, like The Hateful Eight. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I really love The Hateful Eight. Me, too. Um, when you get these big casts, I think it happens for one of two reasons. Either it's a movie like this, where it's really talented, big-name actors who want to work with creatives. So it's, I think that's the same with Tarantino. Ryan Johnson's big right now. They're like, okay, like this is probably a really good project. Even if it's a small role, I bet it's going to be meaty and it's going to get a lot of attention. Yeah. You get people in like massive casting up for that or for really shitty things like Valentine's Day oh, or yeah. New Year's Eve or all of those like big ensemble holiday movies that were trying to recapture the formula of uh, Love Actually mm-hmm. and never got there. And in those movies, all of the budget goes to the cast and none of it goes to getting good creatives. It all goes to Taylor Swift. <laughs> exactly. It's just her and then they throw out some pittance to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this is, I think people want to be involved because of the talent. Yeah. And it sounds so good. I know. I'm very excited for that one. Uh, this is one you probably didn't see. Did you watch the Driven trailer by chance? I don't 
think so. So describe it's, it. It's about John DeLorean, the man who created the DeLorean motor car and the DeLorean oh, motor company. Oh, is this the racing one? No. So that's Ford versus Ferrari. Okay. Which I'm also super excited about. So that's the story of how uh, Henry Ford Jr. recruited Carroll Shelby in this movie played by Matt Damon to build a car that would beat Ferrari at Le Mans. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that trailer. Yeah. That looks great. That looks great. I'm and, very and so that car ended up becoming the GT40 mm-hmm. uh, that won, I think it was like three or four years in a row. I guess it's kind of spoilers, but it's fucking history. Wow. thanks. Um, but it, I mean, it, is that the one in the intro of Speed Racer? Yes, it is. Exactly. <laughs> thanks. Uh, Henry Ford also commissioned the creation of Speed Racer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, he built the Mach 1. Yeah. And then also in that movie is Christian Bale playing Ken Miles, the very famous driver mm-hmm. driver who made it happen. But that movie looks great. But no, this is about uh, John DeLorean, who was a highly, highly regarded um, automotive designer and mechanic and engineer. And then he decided to make his own car, and that became the DeLorean. But the guy was also like crazy, involved in all these drug deals, all these scams. Yeah, and so, he's a time traveler. Exactly. The, the movie is about... He usually goes by his nickname, Doc Brown. Well, the funny thing is, if you watch the trailer, uh, so Lee, Pla- Lee Pace, uh, Ronan the Accuser, uh, is John DeLorean. His hair looks like if you were to throw him in prison for a while, which of course happened, he would look like Doc Brown. So kind of holds up. Uh, but the movie's about the FBI agent played by Jason Sudeikis, who's kind of becomes <gasps> friends with John DeLorean, but then also becomes the an informant against this? him. Uh, I'm sorry, that's I'm thinking Mantukas. Yeah, no, it's uh, Sudeikis, who's yeah, yeah. also fantastic. And then yes. Judy Greer's in it, too. And um, I mean, I'm a car guy, so this all kind of falls in my wheelhouse, but it also looks really fun. Um, okay, as of time of recording, the Mulan trailer just dropped. Yes, this morning. literally minutes before we started filming this, yeah. recording this, uh, we have our first teaser for Mulan, the next of the Disney live actions. Looks great. And the only one that I'm excited for. Is it really the only one you're excited for? At the moment, yeah. Okay. I mean, the other announced one... I mean, we're also just... We're going to talk about Little Mermaid in a second. We will be indeed. Um, but no, this one... I know there, there's there been some stumbles to get to where we are now. I've heard uh, some of the ideas that were greenlit and then killed uh, that should not have ever been greenlit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, this looks great. It for me, it, it's very reminiscent of uh, the movie Hero, which we, we kind of talked about before. Right. The Jet Li film from two thousand two. Uh, Jet Li also in this as the Emperor. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for people who don't know this movie, what and is Donnie Yen? Yeah, I know oh, Donnie they, Yen. We had it. this conversation once before. I we think, did actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've forgotten all of this though. Um, so Hero, for people who've never seen this movie, is most famous for its incredibly, incredibly iconic fight scenes where every fight is based off a color. Um, and so you have like the red, it's the rainbow. You have the red fight, the, the blue fight, the yellow fight, the white fight, the black fight, uh, the green fight. And it's so beautiful. And so watching this trailer, it, it, it kind of felt like that for me again, where every character kind of has their color. You have the bright red of the, the Chinese army mm-hmm. fighting the, the, the pitch black Huns. Yeah. Um, it, it, it looks so good. I'm so excited. It does. And yeah, I think and we... And the, the light overture of, of reflection playing exactly. in the background. So, because I, I texted our friend Jason, because he actually texted me, being like, hey, the trailer's out, went and watched it. And I asked him, like, wait, this is the movie where they're not doing any of the songs, as far as I know. Correct. And I, yeah, what seems to be the case is that they're not actually going to have any of the songs sung out loud, although I wouldn't be surprised if we get like a cover of Reflection, maybe in the closing credits or something. Mm-hmm. 
But I think what they're going to do instead... Still Christina Aguilera. Please. Please have it be Christina Aguilera. I think what they're going to do instead is they're going to interweave those songs into the score, which is what they did in the trailer. And I really like it. Yeah. I really like that kind of more subtle approach to the familiarity. Well, that's what they tried to do with Dumbo and just failed miserably. Oh, yeah, that's true. But Dumbo was... Because it wasn't really woven in. It was more just... It was more just like the instrumental version played while people talked over it. Yeah, that that whole thing didn't work. But um, this really worked a lot. Having the the music in the background, it was like just the right amount of kind of nostalgia thrown in there. Yeah. It visually, it looks spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also looks like it's going to be a pretty good action movie at the end of the day. And Which you, is what it has to be. It has to be. And you and I obviously don't always have the same opinions on the Disney films, but I think we both agree that when they try and make themselves their own thing, they're more successful than when they're just rehashing. Right. Um, like the, for me, the parts of Aladdin, the, like the best were the parts that were just like Will Smith being Will Smith, for example, they're doing their own thing. Yeah. This looks like maybe of all the movies so far, maybe outside of Maleficent is the most of doing its own thing. Well, it's also the one that could easily, could be the most easily translated into live action. Yeah. This is a story that, I mean, I mean, obviously we, we've had live action hunchbacks before. Pocahontas was also based off a real life event. Yeah, and we had um, that new world movie from Terrence Malick that I never bothered with because mm-hmm. I, I want to live too much to watch a Terrence Malick movie. Yeah, uh, but this is one that's just like it's a story made for for film, and so yeah. it, it, no matter what medium, it's going to be a good story. Yeah, you can like broaden out the scale of it and mm-hmm. the and the scope and and lean in on its action roots because there's good action in that movie. Yeah, but it, it's it's not an action film, the uh, the cartoon. So. Right. And also for a Disney film, I, I would argue this is the least magical Disney film. Yeah, I mean, with the exception of um, Zamushu, right? Yeah, who's not going to... I've, I've heard it's not a dragon in this. We're going to get a phoenix. Phoenix instead. Which I'm, but again, Cricket's still in it. which is oh, weird. And so Cricket glad. has a voice. He does? Yeah, he's in IMDb. Oh, really? I don't remember who the actor was. Uh, but yeah, they have a casting for Cricket. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, oh, and fucking uh, Jimmy Wong is in this movie. And that makes my heart so happy. Jimmy Wong was a famous YouTuber uh, who kind of unfortunately always lived in his older brother's shadow, Freddie Wong. Okay. The the creator of um, the YouTube channel Freddie W, which turned into Rocket Jump Pictures. Uh, They had their own Hulu series called Dimension 404. They had their own own series, uh, Video Game High School. Uh, And Jimmy is an amazing actor, but it's always just kind of been tucked behind Freddie. And so now for him to be not only in a big movie, but a big kind of multicultural Asian cast similar yeah. to uh, Crazy Rich Asians, it's fucking awesome to see him like no, that's awesome. grind and, and rise to the ranks. And uh, I mean, along those lines, Disney is really good about kind of pulling that up and coming talent and putting them front and center. And I think that segues us nicely onto the Little Mermaid casting. Yes. So there's been unnecessarily a, dramatic casting. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's actually the part that I want to get into. So there's been rumors going along around for a long time about who's going to get cast in this movie. Zendaya was rumored for a long time. And I feel like no one was upset when she was the rumor. Was yeah. It, was it the lack of confirmation which made it less dramatic or was it that she was just such a familiar face? I think it may have been a familiar face. I think it may have been the lack of it being uh, like concretely set in stone, actually cast. Um, but so ultimately they ended up casting an actress I had not heard of before. Um, her name's Halle Bailey. Not yes. to be confused with Halle Berry. As I was confused. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and so, I'm like, that doesn't work at all. I mean, I'd still watch that. Oh, I would too. Yeah. I, get a, I get an older version, like the like 
20 years later, a little yeah. more hit story. Because well, let's be honest, Halle Berry, I think, is one of the most hit or miss actresses. I think when she's on, she's on and yes. she's amazing. And when it's not working for her, it's really not working for her. Uh, so the the idea of there being that coin toss of which Halle Berry are we going to get? Yeah. <laughs> Little Mermaid would have been entertaining. But um, so I had not heard of this actress before. She's currently on Grownish, a show I've heard good things about. I've yes. watched Blackish and I liked it. Um, and I think she got her start. I was reading about this to remember now. She and her sister started like a YouTube channel, basically. Yeah, doing they're the Beyonce covers. They're uh, a singing duo. Yeah. yeah. So she's obviously talented. Mm hmm. Um, and I think this is fantastic. And so, of course, the big reason why everyone is getting all, I guess, upset about this is that it's a black actress playing a traditionally white character. Mm -hmm. To which my response is, who the fuck cares and shut the fuck up? Did you see uh, Freeform's tweet this morning? No. Oh, let me find it. Because it, it hits. Uh, Was that the one that basically said, uh, someone more or less said something about, you know, it took them 70 years before they cast Tiana in a disney movie like before we had a, like a, a black princess so you know all these girls weren't able to see themselves on screen for that long of a time fucking deal with it basically uh it, it's kind of along those lines but no that that wasn't the one uh so freeform responded on instagram with a with a post um for i you know disney freeform so like major corporate yeah. level uh i said yes the original author of the little mermaid was danish ariel is a mermaid she lives in an underwater kingdom and in international waters and can even legit swim uh, wherever she wants, even though she's often upsets King Triton, uh, comma, absolute zaddy. Uh, but <laughs> for wrong. This, yeah. But for the sake of argument, let's say that Ariel, too, is Danish. Danish mermaids can be black because Danish people can be black. Uh, Ariel can sneak up to the surface at any time with her pal Scuttle and, uh, and the dot, 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 Jamaican crab Sebastian. Uh, sorry, Flounder. Uh, to keep the bronze base, uh, to keep that bronze base tight, uh, black Danish people and thus merfolk can also genetically have red hair. But spoiler alert, uh, bring it to the top. The character of Ariel is a work of fiction. So after all that is said and done, you can still cannot if you still cannot get past the idea of choosing this incredible, sensational, highly talented, gorgeous Halle Bailey uh, as anything other than the inspired casting uh, that it is because she doesn't look like a cartoon one. Oh boy, you do have some, uh, oh boy, do I have some news for you about you. Right. No, that's good. I mean, that's great. I, I, I've been happy to see there's been a lot of support getting thrown behind her. Mm -hmm. So again, from an objective perspective, Disney is really good at this. Yes. They have some of the best casting people in the business because they can, because they're Disney. People want to work for Disney. Right. Um, you know, People spend their whole life trying to work for Disney. Yeah. Um, I think that big movies like this, movies that already have a built-in fan base, are great opportunities for lesser-known actors to get their big break. Something that they haven't always been great at with the the live-action movies in the past. They've still done a lot of star casting. Mm -hmm. I think I feel like Aladdin was kind of the first one where they had leads that were relatively unknown. I had no idea who uh, Mana Masad was before that Same. movie. Fucking love him. Um, I thought he was great in that movie. He's one of those people that I want to see more of case in point if his name ever he's is he british i'll say yes if he's british and his name came out for bond i'd be like hell yeah mm -hmm. uh, obviously we both love naomi scott yes bigger platform and, and for her fantastic yeah. obviously we know her earlier from other roles yeah from mostly from power rangers and other stuff yeah, but, but like, mo mo the common i mean when i talk to people about her outside of our normal nerd circle they don't know who she is yeah but this is what these things 
should be. I mean, without this kind of bold casting of going for the actor who fits the role and people don't know who they are, we wouldn't have any of the hot Chris's, for example. Yep. Uh, I mean, yeah, pretty much the vast majority of the Marvel cast all came out of nowhere. Tom Holland. Um, we wouldn't have Daisy Ridley. We wouldn't have uh, John Boyega. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what these franchises can do. They can bring unknown people in, which is really awesome. But, but also on that note, that's exactly what they did in the animated versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of... Because there was the video I plugged a few weeks ago about uh, the voice casting and Genie, specifically Robin Williams. Um, all through the 90s, Disney kind of went out of their way for their main characters to fit the role and not to be big names. Yeah. Uh, outside of the the uh, chosen comedic talent was right. always the, yeah that was always the draw. Character. Yeah, you still have like one big name, but otherwise it's lesser known people. Yeah, which is Jody fantastic. Benson. Yeah. Uh, oh. Uh, uh, who was? I already forgot all the other princesses. No, it's fine. Jody Benson. I mean, I'm judging you because this is it's, the it's things right. you should. This is you should. I know. know. I've worked with all of them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no one is no one is a big name in any of these movies. They they cast for the voice. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, and that, that's what they're doing again. Yeah. And it's nice. So, no, I'm, I'm very thrilled with this. And I, I have one more point I want to make on this. And I have brought along a visual aid. Oh, oh. Great oh for boy. this audio medium. So, yes. camera, what am I holding in my hand here? Uh, sea salt soap. Yes. I am holding a literal soap box oh. that I'm setting down. Uh, I dare not stand on it because I would just crush it. It's very tiny. It's very, very tiny. Um, but I, I felt this was necessary to help make my point here. Okay. So, the soapbox has been dropped. <laughs> so hear me now, uh, Disney haters. I, I have I've made this this point before, but obviously representation fucking matters. Yeah. Uh, I have the privilege of still being white and male, so I see myself everywhere. But I have often bemoaned and continue to bemoan the lack of gay representation in films. It was a point of contention for me with Marvel up to this point. Uh, it even bugged me a little bit with Aladdin that we had to have two hetero love stories. Mm-hmm. So representation fucking matters. It makes a big difference. And what's actually gotten me most frustrated about this whole situation is the coverage of the negative reaction. Yes. Because right? again, it's, it's the, the small voices get the loudest. Exactly. So the loudest bull I, to try and back my point up, I went online this morning to try and see how many of the headline articles were about the backlash. And actually, to my pleasant surprise, not as many as I expected. Yeah. A lot of people were talking about the the out, outgoing positive support. Right. And that's good. And that's what I want to see covered. Because I, I was talking with our friend Jason about this in the car. And I said, what frustrates me so much is that he and I were having a conversation about the negative backlash. Even something you and I were talking about just now. And when the story becomes about the backlash and not about the actual casting itself, then you're feeling the fire of the negativity, mm-hmm. not the positivity of the whole thing. And it's kind of sad that in 2019, this is noteworthy, but that's part of it. Like she has this amazing opportunity in front of her, which is incredible. And I'm sure it'll go so many places for her career, but it also kind of sucks too. Cause she has to be the first one. Yeah. She has to be the first live action black female lead in a Disney film. And that is fucking awesome. And it also sucks because then she has to deal with the brunt of all of this. And one hopes that when they do kind of more casting on these lines down the line, the backlash will be diminished because it all kind of got burned out here. But it just, it bothers me that that's what everyone wants to be talking about. And obviously we've talked about it and you, you have to acknowledge that these things are noteworthy up to the point where then they stop being noteworthy. Yeah. 
right? You know, it's like the Russos are even talking about like that one gay character played by Joe Russo in Avengers Endgame. And they're like, well, it wasn't meant to be a big deal. It's just something we wanted to do. And the, the problem is, is it has to be a big deal because it hadn't been done yet before. It was groundbreaking, even though it wasn't their intent. Mm-hmm. So the goal is that at a certain point, it won't really matter anymore. And they will just be gay characters. They will just be black princesses. They will just be more trans characters. Um, actually, that'll lead us at some point into Spider-Man. Little yeah. note there. Oh, I, I just have one more uh, quick tweet to read. Okay. I, I really, really liked that one of my friends shared this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, as a white, as a white skinned redhead, I have very strong feelings about the little mermaid. Uh, Ariel changed my ginger world. The mean jokes ended. I became, uh, envied for my hair. And you know what? A little black girl should experience the same feeling with the new Ariel. Like, yeah. Damn straight. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, I guess, what I want to try and do going forward is to try and focus more on the positivity of this, which we did. And I'm now doing this whole thing about the, the negative backlash. Yeah. Um, but I think the big thing is this is great. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. I'm fucking pumped. Yeah. I want to see more stuff like this. Like because I, that could mean, cause one of the jokes going around is, uh, that means we could get Idris Elba to play Triton, <gasps> which means we can continue to get the sexiest dad in all of Disney. Mm. Okay. I just need a moment to recover from that. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get that. We're going to get that silver fox that you yourself uh, as okay, King I Triton. Think, I think I'm good. Mm-hmm. I think I'm good. You good? You're a little tense. I think you, stiff is the better word. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, I love Did I tell I you uh, Hot Ray was at Disneyland yesterday? Who? Hot Ray. Hot Ray. So there's, it, it's a joke I have running with a couple of the Disney friends. Um, there are two friends of Ray which means people that, that play Ray in the parks. They oh, walk okay. Around, but two, and one of them has this, this smolder about her. Oh, that okay. It just makes me melt. And so we all refer to her as Hot Ray. And it's very rare for her to make an appearance. Okay. And so we walked through Batu yesterday, and I'm like, oh, my God, Hot Ray's here. And I immediately texted everyone that I could. <laughs> like, Hot Ray's in the parks today, boys and girls. I mean, I totally get it. The, uh, one of the Batu cast members... I think was, were you with me? No, you weren't with me that time. There was this like very, very attractive man who was one of the cast members. Like, where are you going? Yeah. Hello, come back. It's great. Okay. I mean, have we, have we thoroughly covered all of the, the news that's fit to print at this point? I believe so. Uh, oh, the one thing we didn't cover is that once again, the flash has a, a new director. Yay. Uh, this How many time, is this now? Uh, I don't even know. So this time it's Andy Muschietti. Who's doing uh, the it movies. Um, and he's oh, got a nice. new a new writer on board with him. Let me get this real fast. Let it while it loads. Oh, you said it. It. Okay. They said ip. The ip, like the ip man movies? Yes. No. Oh, that's why you were so excited. Okay. This isn't loading for whatever reason. Um, but I mean, do we care? No. Yeah. No. Because he's going to get, yeah. he's going to leave. If this movie ever even gets made, it probably won't even have any of the people currently attached to it. Doesn't How matter. long until we get a chance? they finally give us a shot yeah how many people have to do they have to go through before they're like hey these guys have a small podcast i would say that if this movie hasn't been made within three years i would feel comfortable giving warner brothers a call like yeah i got an idea for you yeah (laughs) have you sucked every last drop out of that barrel guess what there's more bottom of that barrel and we're yet guess what we're bringing a whole other barrel in we are the barnacles in the bottom of that barrel and we are here to pitch yes (laughs) hello we are the barnacle brothers (laughs) So on board with that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Should we actually get into our primary topic here? Which Let's is talk like, about Spider-Man. Spider-Man Far From Home. It's um, great. It's great. Mm-hmm. 
Good. Good. All right. All so right. episode done. News. <laughs> uh, plugs. I mean, so I I don't. I don't even know really what to say about this. Obviously, we're going to go into full spoiler territory, as we always do. Um, I really had a lot of fun with this. Me too. How Do you think it's better or worse than Homecoming? Or on par? I d- it's hard for me to say because they are very, very different films. Mm-hmm. Um, this film is the least traditionally Spider-Man of this any of them. This honestly felt like, like a TV episode. I, yeah, I have two a little things. bit. It it feels like both a TV episode, but also it feels like this was the script for a video game that just turned into a movie. Yeah, you you made that point the other day, and I think you're you're kind of onto something there because it does feel video game esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially the the fight sequences because as we learn later, uh, Mysterio is not actually doing any of the fighting. Mm-hmm. It's all a hologram, and because of that, you kind of hear the voice from behind the the screen because he's not on screen a lot so you kind of hear it from behind the camera in in the same sense of like as spider-man's fighting the lava titan not titan the elemental Elemental. the the lava elemental um and it i I was having flashbacks just playing a game and dying four times in a row and having to watch the same cut scene over and over again let's go spider-man we can do it just one more push and we got him yeah i'm like i fucking got it mysterio i know (laughs) i've heard you say that so many times yeah, no, I, I kind of see what you're saying where um, there's this idea of these being kind of like boss fights almost yeah. throughout the course of the movie. Uh, and then, of course, the the Mysterio plot twist and you go up against him. And for me, the finale really makes this. Yeah. So the talking to um, a few friends, talking to CJ, talking to Savannah, they both said that they found the beginning very slow, like the first half. Yeah, that, that's kind of slow pretty, and boring. Uh, yeah, uh, up in, kind of up until the bar scene, most people agree that it, it's kind of okay. Yeah, I, I think that's valid. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. It it's a, feels a little bit disjointed. Um, I think part of it is there's so much location hopping going along, and it does feel broken out into vignettes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he, which also makes me understand why they cut that big scene from all the trailers. Oh, the action scene with him in the iron spider felt, suit. Yeah. The action scene, the, the getting all the stuff before the trip, getting his passport, yeah. going to the, the corner store to get the, the head, the, the phone jack and all that stuff, which is the directors come out and said, and basically every other podcast has already said, um, that they're going to release that as a kind of a short uh, later because oh. it's, kind of, it's kind of like an eight minute sequence oh, okay they like cut. their their version of like a one shot almost now yeah yeah exactly that is actually a really brilliant idea yeah right because i mean everyone always wants more footage and you yeah. have footage that basically got greenlit till the last minute and like yeah let's just i mean it's it doesn't really add anything to the story yeah i mean it all got shot mm-hmm. so yeah why not cut it out there no i mean that's i like that idea actually because i mean there's bits in the trailer that we don't get to see which happens a lot especially with marvel movies those pieces look fun, but I feel like that would have bogged it down kind mm-hmm. of even slower. Yeah, yeah, because it is like a probably five to eight minute sequence. Yeah. And so the director is like, yeah, we just wanted to get them to Europe as fast as possible. Because they did have a lot of work to do. They they basically had to acknowledge what is the status of this world now post-Endgame. And I thought they did it in a really clever, funny way. Oh, I loved that sequence. Yeah. The, the comic, when Comic Sans came on screen, <laughs> there were people that are like, there were people next to me that don't know the joke of Comic Sans. They were like, oh, that was really sweet. And I'm like, this was made by a fucking freshman in high school. Right. 
it felt very authentic. This this tribute video, uh, all done the, to all the star uh, wipes. I will always love you. Yeah, yeah, all the star wipes are going through all the faces. All the, yeah, the PowerPoint transitions. Of the, the Avengers that are are considered dead in this world. So obviously Tony Stark, but then of course Black Widow, and then from their perspective, Captain America, America as well. Mm-hmm. Um. So, oh, and then Vision, yeah. Um, and I liked all of that. And yeah, I loved that, uh, you know, as they're going through, it ends on just like a Getty image, like a, a low-res yes, Getty, yeah. watermarked Getty image thing. Um, super, super funny moment. But, you know, basically what they established right from the beginning was the question we had at the end of Endgame was like, how are they getting knowledge that's going forward? And essentially it's like, oh, yeah, like everyone disappeared and then came back. They tried to rename it. Russo Brothers, you can't try and rename something that we've already named. The Snappening? Yeah, we've already called it The Snap. You can't call it the blip. I mean, I, so I guess what this, I mean, because the snap was everyone going away. And so I guess yeah. now the, the blip is everyone coming back or the blip is the entirety sequence of like everyone disappears and all of a sudden everyone comes back. Yeah. I thought that that was super funny the way they did it too. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Because like, so they they show camera footage of, I don't know why I'm telling you this, you've probably seen the movie, but we're acknowledging how funny it is. Yeah. When uh, there's a, a band playing on the basketball court and the snap happens, they'll disappear. And then it cuts back to a, an ongoing basketball game. And also the band reappears in an instant and they all crash around and no, I mean, it's, it's pretty clever. And so, I mean, the weird thing is this is now set in 2023, all films going forward will be, mm-hmm. um, or I guess not all of them will be, but like, that's the current status. Do you think, uh, and for the next four years, we're going to get all, uh, time period movies. So once we in the real world can catch up to 2023, then they'll just continue the storyline. I mean, that's very possible because... Or go to a parallel world that just happens to be five years back in time. Right. That multiverse. Yeah. Which doesn't actually exist. Doesn't actually exist. But also might still still exist. They've introduced the idea. But I mean, that's that's very possible because Black Widow, we know, is going to be a prequel of some sorts. Uh, I think the prevailing theory right now is that it's set right after Civil War. Yeah. Um. So that's going to be a, a period piece of sorts. Uh, Guardians 3, because it's set in space, it doesn't yeah, matter quite doesn't as much matter. that it's set in 2023. Um, obviously, Black, Bang, Black Panther 2 and Doctor Strange 2, that'll make a difference. But, you know, those are going to be coming out a little bit closer to 2023 anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, did you find... And then the Eternals, we still know oh, nothing Oh, yeah, about. we don't know anything about, but that'll be probably very space-bound. I mean, did you find their kind of resolution of those threads satisfactory yeah yeah pretty much i mean that that was always the question going into it is like did all of the classmates get snapped yeah uh and yeah they're just like they didn't even acknowledge it they said yeah they did yeah and then they even have the great joke of the the new hot guy what's his name again um or the actor's name davis oh i don't remember yeah, uh, he where awesome. he was, you know, all Brad the, Davis. Yes, yes, because uh, he was from a. As I learned from the Legal Planet this week, uh, he was a one-shot character in the comics in the '60s when Peter first broke up with MJ. He was the quarterback that swooped in. Oh, really? And dated her for an issue. Yeah. Oh, fucking genius. Yeah, Brad Davis. So, uh, in in this version of Peter Parker's world, he was the like five-year younger nerd, scrawny kid. And now they all come back and he's this, you know, he's he's the good looking high school kid that all the girls want to be with. And now uh, Ned and Peter are both super jealous. Of, like, we used to pick on that kid. Yeah. Like, he was the only one less cool than us. And now he's handsome as fuck. Yeah. Now he's smoldering. Oh, he's constantly smoldering. Oh. Uh, so, because this movie has a lot of twists and turns that we were expecting mm-hmm. i didn't know about the brad davis character going in i understand the need 
to have him be a rival to MJ's affections with Peter. I was kind of hoping there would be a twist on that too. Like a little part of me was like, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if Peter assumes this guy is his rival, but it turns out that this guy actually has a crush on Peter. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted. Cause of course I want everything to be gay. Yeah. And it didn't go that way. And I understand why, cause that would have like killed that conflict too early. And that conflict had to keep going all the way through the story. Um, didn't like, they do that? That was a, that's how many show episode is that? I never yeah, watched that show. Season so. one, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt of all <gasps> characters. Uh, um, um, What's his face? Topher Grace. Topher Grace is... I, I forgot his, the character name, and I feel so bad about it. Doesn't matter? Yeah, it doesn't. Bowl cut. Um, he is, he's, he's teamed up with this one guy for a class project, mm. and the guy is like really close with Donna, and he doesn't like it. And then at the end, Topher, or, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt kisses Topher. Mm-hmm. He's like, is that okay? He's like, no, but I mean, I get it. And this is weird, because it's like based in the 70s, where yeah. that would not, not be okay. Uh, but it was a character that they had planned to make like a, a season regular. Yeah. Of uh, just this gay guy who's now part of the group and everyone's just super cool with him being gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even Topher's like, yeah, we can still be friends, but just don't do that. Yeah. It's like, Hey, we kind of need that. <laughs> like we still need that very desperately. We do. And, and then unfortunately there was a little bit of fan backlash back then. And so that he, <sighs> he was no longer, he was a one, one shot character. Can we not refer to it as fan backlash? Can we just refer to it as asshole backlash? Asshole, asshole backlash. Yes. Um, ass wash. No, no, never yeah. mind. Uh, no, but I, I thought that that story was done well though of Peter and MJ, their relationship. I, I did have a small problem with MJ in the very beginning. I felt, I mean, obviously it's Zendaya. I love her to death. She's so good in this. Um, where in the first movie in homecoming, she's this very cold, very funny, but, but very like, dark everything is dark she's yeah. she was a modern goth yeah um and in this movie she starts off that way but then the first time she's alone with peter they both turn into that like awkward high school like i like you you like me but we don't we can't acknowledge that yet yeah so we're just gonna act like you know quivering children it's great though it like ap- after seeing it the first time i was okay with it it was just weird to see that jump no that's fair um yeah, but they had to kind of like rejig her character a little bit to allow for more interaction because if she's constantly just a little bit closed off, they couldn't really carry the story forward. Right. But they, I think they have amazing chemistry in this. They do. And it, it does feel almost really, really organic as Jake Gyllenhaal and Tom Holland. Oh, God, that chemistry. What was, what was the news title that, that everyone thought was very oh, dirty and was, very funny? Tom Holland made a comment that after a workout with Jake Gyllenhaal, he couldn't walk. Oh, yeah, that's right. And everyone's right. just like, couldn't walk it? Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, yeah. All, all, all of the queens, myself included, just being like, oh. But that's not a thing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Tom Holland's straight. Mm, we'll see. No, I mean, one can dream. Uh, but no, like, it's super good chemistry. I mean, just good chemistry across the board. Yeah. I think everyone here. And also here. very understanding of how high school relationships are. Yes. Uh, specifically talking about Ned and Betty. Oh, my God. So I... The worst part of the movie makes it one of the best, which is the relationship between Ned and Betty. Yes. Because it is, everyone knows this couple. The couple that's like, yeah, babe. Yeah, what up, babe? Mm-hmm. Sure, babe. Let's yeah. do it, babe. One of my one of my best coworker friends, uh, her and her husband are referred to as the Huns. <laughs> because it's, hey, hon, can you help me with this? Yeah, hon, I'll be there in a minute. Oh Thanks, hon. Oh, my God, the Huns. 
Yeah. And in high school, I knew a ton of, I, I looking back on this after reflecting for the week, I think I was one of these couples. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Not at all. Right? No, you, yeah, you, <laughs> you, you are a babe waiting to happen. Yes. But it, we never did, we never did babe. I don't remember what, what word we used, but we never did babe. We never did hun. We never did sweetie. Um, I don't remember what word we used. I don't think we had a word, but we were okay. definitely still one of those like overly sappy, oh. uh, just like constantly like one hand over the other, like who, oh. who, who could, yeah, great, great. Like, you know, you know that. Yes, I know. Yes. Yes. The visuals, the audio, it all comes together. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. No, like their, their scenes are so cringeworthy, but because they're so true, um, and it just also goes to show the the comedic capability of those two actors. Mm-hmm. They really pull that stuff off so well. Yeah. And just this this total like, is this is May December romance? Is that the right term to use here? This like summer fling sort of thing. Yeah. Where it's just like summer eleven. Yeah. Having a blast. It happens so fast. <laughs> it happens so fast. Just met a girl. Sweet as can be. Met a boy. Fuck. Um, cute as can be. Cute, cute as can be. No. Uh, wait. Met a girl. I don't, it doesn't matter. I watched Grease 2 last night. Why? <laughs> I made a I, Grease 2 joke <laughs> yesterday. Uh, because I was already doing a, a, a movie night with my uh, my new fans, friend, Savannah Rogers, who I talked about. We did the Chasing Amy Gate 4 podcast together. Yeah, yeah. So she was coming over, so I invited Jonathan to join us. And then we expanded out to include uh, our friend CJ and Wes as well. So we had like an impromptu movie night last night. Nice. We start off by watching Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is a brilliant fucking I haven't seen satire. it. I want, it's, it's been on my list. It's so good. It's such an amazing satire. Star-studded cast. It's spectacular. And then we got done with it. And we're talking about Grease 2. Like, oh, I guess we'll just go ahead and put it on. So we put it on, too. Like, we talked over the whole thing. But, I mean, it's, it's absurd in its own weird, entertaining way. There's a whole song in one of the classrooms the song is literally about reproduction. Like the name of the song is reproduction. Nice. So it's, it's a really weird movie. Um, yeah. Fucking grease too. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess worth watching. No. It, it, okay. Hang on. It is worth watching because it's got a super young Michelle Pfeiffer. If it's not her first oh, role, that's right. it's one of her first roles. Mm-hmm. And my God, is she sexy? And then the guy that she's in the movie with, whose name I cannot remember, is so gorgeous. So it's worth watching just for these two very, very attractive people yeah. to be on screen together. Um, also, it's more or less has a very similar plot line to Batman Forever. Great. Yes. Do they have a, a Grease credit card? I fucking wish. Uh, Maxwell Caulfield is the, the, the male lead in this. But no, it's like there's this whole thing where uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's I Want song is about how she wants like, a bad boy, like who can ride a motorcycle stuff. And mm-hmm. Maxwell Caulfield, this guy, Michael, he's this nerdy English exchange student. And so it's he's the one that goes through transformation this time. Oh, but I he, love when it's a guy transformation. It's a guy transformation. So he like learns how to ride a motorcycle, and then he rides around in a, a helmet, like dark goggles, and a leather black jacket, like unzipped, so you can still see his chest. Fantastic. Uh, but she doesn't know who this guy is. And so it's this whole thing about how she's spending time with like the nerdy lovable guy. And she like, is kind of falling for him, but she's super got the hots to the other guy. And so it's a Superman story. Yeah. She's basically telling like, Oh my God, like I'm super in love with like the, the, the bad boy, the, the leather. I'm like, this is Batman forever. Yeah. It's a plot line of Batman forever. That doesn't fucking matter. Grease too. Why do we get on this? Oh, you, summer romance. Yeah. Summer 11. <laughs> it's my turn for the tangents. That's fine. But no, the, I thought the relationship there is super good. Okay. So, I mean, let's talk about the the big twist, the one that we all kind of saw coming, but I thought it was still very well executed. It was I didn't realize that's where it was going to happen. 
Right. Yeah. yeah so that duel was cool. You know, going into this, we're like, okay, it's Mysterio. <clears throat> Mysterio's big thing is that he's a master of illusion and he's a total asshole. Mm-hmm. So what? What's going to be the turn? And, and and what we all thought, based off the trailers and how they cut it, was it was the glasses that were going to save Spider-Man because mm, yeah. we knew he was getting Tony's glasses. Very heartwarming moment when he opens yep. the box. Um, and we were expecting the glasses to be like, oh, these are fake things. But that's not what happened. And I, I'm very happy that we were all wrong about that. Yeah, it went a completely different direction. The, the, and the glasses were the MacGuffin of the whole thing, which I was not expecting either. I thought it was going to be like a little throwaway moment. But it's, yeah. you know, they, they control this Edith satellite that has these, um, these drones built into it, basically, this huge weapon system. And so the twist is, of course, that Mysterio is the bad guy and everything is an illusion. Mm-hmm. But he's actually working with a whole team. Yes. Which I really loved um, because they brought back at least one familiar face. They brought back uh, Peter Billingsley, most famous for being uh, Ralphie <laughs> in A Christmas Story, getting yep. his eye shot out with the Red Rider BB gun. But he has a brief cameo appearance in the first Iron Man movie as the, the scientist who can't rebuild the mini, mini arc reactor. Yeah. And he's back. He famously yelled at by Jeff Bridges. Exactly. And it happens again. Yeah. In this movie, they did the flashback sequence. And so he's there along with all these Tony other... Stark built this, this in a cave. That's a pretty good Jeff Bridges, actually. No, it's not. For a box of scraps. The box of scraps. <laughs> um, great, but, great one. God, I love Jeff Bridges. Oh, he's fantastic. But yeah, so like Peter Billingsley is back. And that's the first person I caught. I'm like, oh, fuck, it's Peter Billingsley. Mm-hmm. And then we realize that it's a whole team of former Stark employees. And so uh, Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio, I guess we never real learn his real name. Because it wouldn't be You're Quentin right. Beck yeah. because that like S.H.I.E.L.D. would catch that. But he was the guy that designed BARF, the, uh, the hologram system that Tony introduces in Captain America Civil War. Right. And so he's adapted that tech and put it on top of the weaponized drones designed by Peter Billingsley's character. And he's recru- like recruited another former Stark employee who's like a costume designer to build the Mysterio costume. Mm-hmm. Another guy to do all the dialogue. And I love him. Because he was, I assume he's like a former script, like a speechwriter. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they just like fired him on a whim. Like, I want to know more about him. Right. Because there's a moment uh, in the final fight uh, where Peter, where Spider-Man starts breaking all the droids and all the drones inside the the illusion, and they call up the scriptwriter who's just like leaning on a side of a building in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, he's like, "How can we? How can we twist this?" He's like, "Uh, just say that's fake." Yeah, uh, it's drawing energy from the Earth's core. Yeah, what I love is that character is like the punch-up writer mm-hmm. for the Mysterio character. He's basically the Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah, of the Mysterio team. <laughs> I know. I he he's my favorite of the of the team. Or I think it's what is it? Janice is the the costumer, right? The mm-hmm. one who builds the Mysterio. Yeah, suit. the one. Uh, like, do you still need the cape? He's like, yeah, please. Yes, Janice. Janice. Yes. <laughs> and I get. I want to give credit to Jake Gyllenhaal. We were talking about this uh, before the episode about how he was waiting for the right role. Marvel kept going back to him and he finally said the yes this. I can see why. Yeah. Because he gets to do this huge range. He gets to be like him at his most charming, think like, I don't know, like love another drug or something, whatever is his most charming role is. And then also him at his like nightcrawler level, like dark and psychotic. And he, he makes those swings feel so natural. Yeah. And he's so manic. Like even when he's in the middle of the firefight and he has that moment, like, yes, Janice, we need that still. Like, that is, it's it's so funny when it happens, but his intensity feels real, and mm-hmm. it's such a great performance for him. He, he, I mean, he's a villain of sorts, but he has a positive motive. Like he, he wants to be a hero. He doesn't, but no, or he, he wants the. I guess it's not a positive motive. He, it's, it's not an evil motive. Well, 
I mean, it basically is. He wants to dupe the whole world into thinking he's the new superhero. Yeah. Um, and like just reap the benefits of it. So I mean, he doesn't have a sympathetic motivation the same way that um, I would say Vulture, Vulture or Loki, or, or from your own perspective, maybe Thanos does. Mm-hmm. But his motivation is very understandable, and he just wants to be an influencer, Chris. He does. It's all he really wants this world to be an influencer. Yeah, and I, I even he just want those hotel discounts. <laughs> Hotel discounts. Uh, he just wants to plug some Harry's razors. Yeah. Uh, some Henry, maybe some, some Bonda socks. Some Henry's razors. <laughs> but I even love that after the reveal, from that point on, he's rarely in the full on Mysterio suit because sometimes it's real, sometimes it's a hologram. He's mostly just in a mocap suit, mm-hmm. which in of itself is such a genius meta nod to how these movies are done. Yeah. Um, and he has some great lines too. He talks about how, you know, people will believe anything, which is a huge plot point of kind of the whole movie, it's one of the big themes. Yeah. Um, now, do you feel like the reveal, once it happens, holds up going backwards? Have you watched, seen it once or twice? I've only seen it once. I haven't had time to go a second time. I okay. want to go see it a second time. Yeah, so I, I went and saw it a second time. And for me, once I knew the twist and how it's all done, I'm watching things like, uh, especially the Venice fight with uh, I was Hydro thinking Man. about Hydro Man, yeah. Because um, his webbing should have hit something. It's, well, I mean, what, so it could have gone through the illusion um and just miss the drone yeah right but what doesn't quite hold up for me is the fact that everything gets wet everywhere like people are actually clearly getting hit with water because they're getting soaked now mm-hmm. we do know some of the drones have fans they do have fans they have sonic cannons so yes. i suppose it's possible that they're able to maybe store water mm-hmm. um that one i think felt the most far-fetched for me because in the molten man one you know there's the question of where does that heat come from they're gonna feel the heat of this guy but they all have lasers and they do have flamethrowers yes so that one i can kind of buy because the drones are basically causing the real life destruction around these illusions Mm -hmm. but the hydra man one doesn't for me fully hold up yeah i get it yeah um but those are really great sequences though Mm -hmm. i mean i'm not gonna say they're they're not some of the best action sequences, but I think they do a pretty good job. They're very I think they're, they're very fun. They're a lot of fun. I think these these action sequences are better than the homecoming action sequences. Uh yeah, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Outside of the uh the one at the very beginning of Homecoming when he's like, You guys aren't the Avengers. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That one's pretty fun. Uh no, I mean uh, but th- this movie has probably my favorite fight sequence ever mm-hmm. is when they're in the full illusion. Oh, right. Yeah. When Peter's trying to tell Fury who Mysterio actually is, mm-hmm. Mysterio intercepts him. Yeah. Uh, and then dukes him again because uh, Nick Fury shoots Mysterio yeah. in the back of the head. And then Peter's like, oh my God, Nick Fury, you're okay. Uh, and he tells him all the information and then it's still, it's still, yeah, it's still Mysterio. It's still Mysterio. No, I mean, yeah, visually that sequence is that spectacular. That sequence is so beautiful. Because I, I don't want to bring it up again, and I apologize for bringing it up again. But this is what I wanted in Aladdin. Oh, my God. This is the exact... So, like, they they let the animators and story artists just go crazy with these illusions. Yeah. they. I mean, it, it as, as we talked about before, it's very in line with, like, the Scarecrow fight in the Batman games. Yeah. Um, and it's very in line with Mysterio's character. He just goes crazy completely disorienting spider-man and i think they i don't know if i missed something where they said that his spider sense isn't working anymore Th- i think they could have added one more line in the beginning that's something they don't really talk about like 
May throws the banana at him and he doesn't notice it. And then they talk about the the Peter Tingle. The Peter Tingle. Which is so funny. I say I said that for the first time out loud the other day, and I'm like, oh, that feels so weird. I don't like saying but, it. But but it's also so perfect. Because yeah. it is that really like uncomfortable thing like a parent would say. Oh, absolutely. And then it just sticks. Like, don't call it that. It's not the Peter Tingle, Mom. It's it's my spider sense. Again, it, it just it it helps build that sense of this being a teenager going yeah. through teenage movie. But I, so I do understand what you mean though about that, um, that kind of like nightmare hallucination sequence. It's, yeah, and when I say that's what I wanted from Aladdin, I wanted that grandiose, fully encompass everything, especially in Friend Like Me and Prince Ali and these big musical numbers where Genie just gets to be Genie. Yeah, and he's a, he's a He's the strongest magical creature in the world, as we learn from the wish. Yes. Um, so show it like that. Like give us you you can do like the whole sand thing where he like throws up sand and it constructs all these things. Like it could have been so much cooler. And seeing this now is like, uh, Aladdin, you could have done so much more. And there's so much great sleight of hand in Spider-Man Far From so Home. So much great sleight of hand. we could have gotten in Aladdin. It's all of the drones. The drone sleight of hand is unbelievable. But no, that, that sequence is brilliant. And, and you had said this before. Again, it feels like a comic book piece. It feels like Arkham Asylum. Yeah. The sort of crazy hallucination. Um, you know, you can imagine that you're playing as that video game character trying to escape this thing you can't because nothing's real. If you, everything you hit just hurts. Yeah. Um, God, that'd be such a frustrating level. It would so be so cool, but I mean that was what. Have you, you played the Arkham games? I have. Yeah, I mean that's what that was the first time you get hit with the fear toxin. Like mm-hmm. you're in the the Arkham morgue and you open the door and you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I'm here again. And especially in a video game, like, did this glitch out on me? Like, what's going on? You just you go back and forth, and eventually you realize, like, oh, okay, yeah, like this is all part of it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it had that sort of feel all the way through, and, and the, then oh, when when it lands, when he lands, and he's in front of Tony's grave. Oh my like, god! Oh, that hit. That yeah. hits so hard. W- were you wondering if it's going to be Tony or Ben in that moment? Uncle Ben? Uh, no, I, I I honestly completely forgot that Uncle Ben existed in this movie. Yeah, because they don't, they never really. Because we didn't get an origin. I don't know his origin. How did he get here? I don't get it. Honestly. Yeah. Where's yeah. the spider? I um, Was he born this way or was he bitten by something? I don't know. Oh, baby, he was born this way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah He's on I, the right track, baby. <laughs> I, um, no, like the zombie Iron Man pops yeah. out. It's so good. Nice throwback to Marvel zombies. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no. And then I, for me, the, uh, you know, the, the climax is fantastic. The finale of this thing, they're back in London and Peter's having to take in all these drones. Mm-hmm. Um, but also from Beck's perspective where he's not even, I mean, he, he has everything already set. You have a villain that doesn't have to be, um, active for all of this yeah his only role is to is to keep the illusion as alive as possible yeah um and that's such a cool different kind of villain we're like and and it's, it's actually it's exactly what we talked about in our old batman episodes mm. is villain stories are so much more fascinating when they have nothing to do with the main character yeah like all of batman's villains are so much more fun to watch when they just don't care about batman like they're doing their own shit and Batman is getting in the way of it. Yeah, like Mysterio's plans had nothing to do with Spider-Man. He just kind of gets Spider-Man just shows up and Mysterio plays it off. Like, okay, here's a way we're gonna like factor this in. And you know, I think too, there is some genuine affection on 
Beck's part towards Peter. Like he seems genuinely upset, like mad he has to go kill this kid. I mean, yeah. he's willing to do it because he's a psychopath, mm-hmm. but there may have been some sort of like bit of sympathy for him and he felt bad about having to do it. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, he's got a great story. And just that idea exactly of him being this, this weird villain from a distance. He doesn't actually have to be involved in the fight. Like look at all the chaos he can cause without actually having to do it himself. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a character like we haven't seen before mm-hmm. really in any of the movies. And yeah, this did feel the least Spider-Man esque in a lot of ways. You almost kind of feel like you could swap out the names, these characters and be a different movie. Yeah. But that's, I don't have a problem with that though. I think it actually works in its favor because mm-hmm. it felt so different and original. Um, which for me then leads on to the, the post credit sting, like where they go from here. Oh yeah. That was a big, it was, it was both really awesome and then really bad. Yeah. So obviously not, not like bad film wise, but bad, like character, like oh, exactly. Shit, we, so, we're in a, he's in a bind. We've been going full spoilers up to this point. I would certainly hope you've seen the movie. This is the point where I'm going to give you the extra, extra warning. Like if you have not seen this yet, go see it because from this point on, this is when it gets into like the real excitement. Like for me, the biggest moment in the whole movie yeah, is what we're about to talk about. And I don't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't already seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you've been warned. You've been thoroughly warned. Yes. Uh, Commissioner Gordon's in the movie. Exactly. Finally, where has he been this whole time? We got the amazing Marvel DC crossover we've always been waiting for. <sighs> Spider Man goes to Gotham to GCPD. He's like, "Hey, Commissioner Gordon, I'm here to help." And I want more pictures of Spider Man. I want more pictures of Spider Man. I heard the I heard you have a bat problem. Oh my God! The return of the great J.K. Simmons. Yes, as, as J. J. Jonah, Jonah Jameson. Jameson. I mean, what else could they have done? Like, there's. No one else they can really put in that role at this point and have it work. Yeah. As we were saying, outside of Sam Jackson's Nick Fury, uh, J.K. Simmons is the best comic book uh, adaptation actor of all time. I think he's the best. You'd say it's, a, it's more than Nick Fury? Yes. Even though they base it off of Sam Jackson? Well, right. But like, that's the kind of the weird thing about that one, right? Is that yeah, it, who came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, yeah, I mean, Mark Millar, the Sam or the Jackson, the Sam Jackson. Mark Millar made his Fury based on Samuel L. Jackson. Like even in that comic, they're like fan casting their own movie. He's like, obviously, it'd have to be Samuel L. Jackson, and then of course they cast Samuel L. Jackson. So that's that's brilliant because it is in of itself a callback, and he's been amazing in all these movies. He's great in this. He's great in Captain Marvel. The more they give him to do, the better he is. Yeah, but with J.K. Simmons. Like, who else is going to really fill those shoes? I mean, he's not as splashy as, say, a, a Hugh Jackman in a Wolverine. Like, he hasn't had that same sort of exposure and as much continuity being that character. Yeah. In terms of recasting. But, but also, in, people didn't like Hugh Jackman at first. Yeah, because he's so different. Yeah, and everyone's always loved J.K. Simmons. I mean, how can you not? I think, I think he is undoubtedly the single best part of those movies, which are kind of hit and miss. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's brilliant. And so they're version of him this time apparently is more based off the video game which i have not played oh you haven't played uh I don't have a playstation oh i'm gonna let you borrow mine okay it's, it's a phenomenal game everyone says it's amazing i really do want to play it at some point and i i feel like i have a lot more of appreciation for this movie because of that game and i think also why i feel so the video game aspect of it is all the costume changes yeah there's that, a lot a, of costume changes that's this. a big part of the game is you get you can unlock 27 different costumes yeah each one of them have specific things they can do that's amazing mm-hmm. uh and yeah and then oh my god the scene where spider or peter builds his own spider suit and happy he's in he's with happy and happy turns around and it's it's tony or it's it's peter with acdc playing over him 
and he's got the the V or the AR glove yeah. building the suit. It's like, oh man, he's there. He's he the new Tony it. Stark. Yeah, and he loves Led Zeppelin. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I love Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, they set themselves up to go a very interesting direction though, because Beck's contingency plan is that he creates a fake video. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about like basically deep fakes here, where it appears that Spider-Man is trying to unleash an army of drones so he can become the next Tony Stark. Yeah. So I did find his when when that scene happened in the movie, I did find his word choice to be very odd. Execute them all. Yes. Yeah. Because that would usually mean continue on with the plan. Right? Well, she asked, should I execute cancellations? He's oh, like, yeah. okay, yeah, I missed that, that second Especially word. the second time around, I was like, that felt a little bit forced. But he's a, he's a kid. You can kind of buy him like saying the wrong word in the yeah. moment. Because he's also already done that. When he first sends the drone to kill Oh, that's Brad true, with Davis. Brad Davis, yeah. So, but the, yeah, basically, Quentin... Beck puts out this video. It's captured by J. Jonah Jameson and his like Alex Jones style dailybugle.net broadcast. And in it, it sets up that Spider-Man is a a villain and then also reveals a menace menace to society and also reveals that he is in fact Peter Parker. So the, the thing that Marvel has avoided doing as much as possible, secret identities, they have thrown out their last one entirely. Mm -hmm. And now the world knows that Peter is Spider-Man. Yeah. And again, we, we end on an F-bomb. We do, which I, I totally missed the first time around that that was mm-hmm. a, a repeat, which is fantastic. Uh, I mean, how do you feel about that going forward now? Like, do you like that they've gone down this path? What I do you think, think? I, just, I just don't know what they're going to do with that because he's still in high school in this version. He's still the nerd. You know, Spider-Man is admired. I mean, yeah, because now he's admired by some. Yeah. He will now be hated by a lot. He's going to be probably wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> We don't know if Tao... Oh, and then the other big one is is uh, in this movie, Nick Fury was actually Talos, yes. the scroll. Uh, we don't know if he's going to intervene at all. Uh, if the scrolls are going to play a point, they can probably be like, oh, nah, nah, Spider-Man's not uh, Peter Parker. That's actually just a scroll that we had looked like Peter Parker. Don't worry about that. Like they, they could route it to hide him again. Yeah, I... Because they, I suppose they could, because the, mm. the public at large does not know the existence yet of the scrolls. Right. Because um, then it's going to bring up a lot of questions of like, is, you know, yeah, is Peter Parker a scroll? Is like, yeah, who who is real, who is fake? Secret Invasion. It's a big thing. We, they open it up again. I'm so excited. They open what up again? Secret Invasion. Oh, yeah. They open up the possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do want to get to that. But first, so like, I think, I'm not sure what they're going to do with the the identity reveal. Like, I guess it does make sense because it, it's a, a major escalation for something that Marvel's known for doing. We've talked about this before. Right from the very first movie, end of Iron Man, I am Iron Man, sets up an entirely different dynamic that's going to be established in the comics. Like right. we're going to move forward in an entirely different space. And, you know, Tony had his wealth and status to isolate him. Peter doesn't. Right. So at least this pushes the character in a place we haven't seen before, which is good. And I think these movies have been successful because they go in these different directions. Um, I guess it makes sense, too. They wouldn't really do another teen high school movie because they did that once already. Mm-hmm. You know, and they did something completely different with this one. They don't like to retread. So I guess they will probably approach it with a sincerity of going, oh, yeah, his identity is out now and he's a menace. Mm-hmm. And how does he deal with that? It's an interesting space. Yeah, because um, especially with the second half of this movie, once MJ figures it out, mm-hmm. you see the danger of the knowledge. 
And so now, like, how is Aunt May going to handle this? Is yeah. she going to... Because then also the, the great ending of Peter sitting with Happy and Aunt May. Oh, yeah. Like, what are you guys? Because, like, is she going to be forced to move in with him just for the protection? Oh, yeah. Uh, and then you have that awkward, like, they've just broke... I think that'd be funny if the next movie is they just broke up. But, but she they, has to stay with him for protection right. services. Like they're living in like an Avengers compound or yeah. something like that. To and she's him. totally fine with it. Like she's like understands the situation. He's the super awkward one. Yeah. As it always is. See, that's a good dynamic. See, mm-hmm. I, I think this will give them places to go to be interesting. They might bring back Vulture because he obviously knew Peter's identity but was keeping it a secret. Yeah. Um, I think the one challenge with this is that's such a huge leap to take with him still being relatively new as spider-man yeah like you could imagine the possibility of maybe like oh maybe in spider-man 3 or the third film here they might do something borrowing the sinister sticks it's like sex like a team goes out for revenge against him that doesn't work quite as well when we only really have a handful of villains so what we have in prison shocker vulture and scorpion Scorpion. but mysterio Mm -hmm. is now dead yeah so he wouldn't be in there but you know, we don't have the rose gallery built up yet, but maybe this then leads to them Although, doing like Craven the Hunter. That could be super interesting. Yeah. Craven's Last Hunt is a comic that I think even Kevin Feige has mentioned a lot as one of his favorites. Mm-hmm. So that could be super interesting. Um, and also, I don't know if you saw this, the the small nod to the Raimi films, when Peter's swinging through the city in the end, in the very end, uh, you see uh, the Osborne mansion from the Raimi films. Oh, you see the building that stands in for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but it's not specifically referenced. No, no, yeah. They don't say it. They, like, there's no Osborne. Yeah. I, it's just the, the location but you're they right. use it is the, the Yeah, it's the exterior shot. Um, because but one thing is like the, like the coolest little nod. It is fun. I didn't even think yeah. about that. You're right. That is a fun little nod. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, there, there's a rumor going around that it was going to be revealed that the former Avengers Tower was now going to be either Oscorp or possibly the Baxter building. Yeah. We don't see either way. All we see is that there's now kind of this, um, like in the middle of the building, this kind of open garden that Peter flies through. Yeah, it's very cool. It's a really cool shot. But, you know, it's, it's been modernized. It's different. So we don't know yet uh, who's in that building, although I'm sure they'll reveal that at some point. There was also from, from Mr. Sunday Movies uh, video that, that came out recently. Um, he brought up in that swinging sequence, there's a sign you can see that says, it's a big yellow sign that says big things are coming. And it has one, two, three on the bottom, dot, dot, dot. And all of them have a circle around them in a similar setup to oh, like the Fantastic, like Fantastic Four, Four logo. Oh, that's interesting. But that could also be because the problem we have now, which Disney, I'm sure, is loving all the, the speculation, is we've also finished phase one, phase two, phase three. It could refer to phase four. Very true. Which, you know, phase Fantastic Four is great. I... Do you think there's still too much negativity from the last movie? I don't think so. I mean, okay. there wasn't a lot of positivity around Spider-Man after Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's true. And they got to this pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, But it, it is interesting to speculate where we go from here, because this is the sort of like the epilogue almost to Phase 3 oh, and the Infinity yeah, War yeah. saga. And the second post-credit sting, as we mentioned earlier, is revealed that throughout the entire movie, uh, Nick Fury and Maria Hill were both scrolls, so it was Talos and his wife. Mm-hmm. Which, again, when you watch that movie again, you're like, doesn't necessarily hold up all the way through. Like, yeah. they're really committing to their bit. Like, Maria Hill keeps referring to him as Nick. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay. But what we do see is that Fury is off-planet on some presumably massive scroll ship 
um, work on something big. And so you mentioned that one of the speculations is possibly it's sword. Yes, the the space per, the space version of shield. Yeah, which I'm not sure when they're introduced, but I know of them from uh, the Joss Whedon X Men run on comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might have been their first one. I don't know because remember there's there's three protection agencies. There's Shield, Sword, and Hammer. Are the big three after? So actually, after Secret Invasion, as we recently learned, after Secret Invasion, Shield was shut down, and to replace it, Norman Osborn built Hammer. Oh, okay. Where he kind of built the the like the anti Avengers. Got it. And that that started the the Dark Reign arc on Marvel Comics. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember the Dark Reign a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to speculate where they go from here because you know we were trying to figure out going into this like what are they setting up with the the bringing back the scrolls? There's a lot of scrolls now. Yeah. And they're definitively set up now as heroes, not villains. So mm-hmm. if they were to adapt a scroll story like Secret Invasion. They couldn't do it directly. Now, Secret War is another story that people bring up a lot. I looked it up real quick. For those of you who don't know, it's basically kind of an off-world big battle where this being captures a whole bunch of heroes and villains from Marvel and dumps them on a plant and they have to fight each other. That's also where Peter originally got his black suit, which was later revealed to be a symbiote. Mm-hmm. Um, and it one of the characters there later is revealed to be a scroll. So kind of sets it up. I don't think they're going to do something like Secret War. I think that's just too boring, frankly. But it's, Secret it's, Invasion could be it, a thing. It's a fully fan service movie. Yeah, I mean, and they have found ways to do things like that without having to be so on the nose, right? You know, they they adapted Planet Hulk in a form with Ragnarok. I don't think we're going to get something like Secret War. It's a little bit yeah, too pointless. Yeah, I agree. Pointless. I don't think there's a lot of juice to that, but you looked up Secret Invasion and you thought maybe that could be a thing. Yeah, uh, the problem is it would take, I mean, it, it would take a full like two phases to set up properly because mm-hmm. also the characters that uh so the the beginning of secret invasion for those who don't know like us um there's kind of five or six big heroes on earth create a team called the illuminati uh that are kind of like the face of the the earth defense yeah they're uh, the smartest people in the room so it's yeah it's stark it's reed richards oh uh, yeah let me pull it up again uh, dr strange. dr strange um is it namor is he one of the ones in there no namor's no. from dark reign Okay, but I know that's the group that also shot Hulk into space and eventually led to the Planet Hulk storyline. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you that's one thing. You'd have to set up that group, which is hard to do considering that of them, only Doctor Strange has been introduced and is alive. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, but, I mean, they've been able to rush to stories pretty quickly, right? I mean, they got to Civil War, all things considered, pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So it's possible they could, and they would never do a strict adaptation because they never have. They would do their version of it. Right. And they do mention in the movie that there are Kree sleeper cells, a throwaway line. So it's possible that maybe the Kree are now hiding out on Earth. And I think based off of some stuff at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think sometimes the Kree can look human. Okay. So it's possible they could do something along those lines. Maybe it's the Kree have these sleeper cells on Earth and it's the scrolls yeah, yeah, yeah. that I was are helping that. them. Because we still have the, the face technology that hasn't been seen since Winter Soldier. Right. So, and it's in, you know, what could be interesting too is, you know, in an effort to track down the Kree, if they have a, put a whole bunch of scrolls oh, no, you're right, hiding right. out on Earth, then if that is revealed to the public, the public would freak the fuck out like yeah. they're used to aliens but from their perspective most of the aliens that have showed up on earth have been bad they're you know the big alien event was the chachari mm-hmm. and then you know kind of once again with thanos for their perspective aliens are horrible hey let's not forget the dark elves oh god well i mean everyone remembers the dark elves so fondly yeah but 
you know, the the only aliens they've really interacted with that have been, from their perspective, like good are Thor. Some could possibly say Captain Marvel, even though she's human. But mm-hmm. you know, the the scrolls. But also, how much of the when when I was thinking about the introduction sequence is how much does the public know about all of these heroes? Well, that's I mean that's another thing too. Yeah, because Thor is in their opinion is an alien. They refer to him as either a god or an alien. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we know anything about New Asgard or if the public knows that those are all Asgardians. That's true. I mean, I guess they we don't prob- even know. They if probably if- do. If it's called New Asgard. They're not really hiding out. That's true. Uh, but like, we don't know if the public even knows who Captain Marvel is. She's been very kind of private and kind of only shield knew about it for a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, and there then, were no cameras at the, at the, I mean, that we know of. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, they, they, they have, that's true. We don't know to what level they, they understand the truth here, but people's reactions so far have not been great when it comes to aliens. All of a sudden it's revealed that all these scrolls are hiding out benevolent or not. The public's going to freak out. And that could be an interesting space for them to explore yeah. is the public's reaction. This I'm sure very xenophobic reaction to, this alien race that's trying to help. Yeah, much, much like uh, the Young Justice storyline from season two with the mm-hmm. Reach. Right, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. So the the group from Secret Invasion, it was the, the Illuminati consists of Iron Man, Mr. Fantastic, Namor, you were right, sorry. Ah. Uh, Black Bolt, Professor X, and Doctor Strange. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure Black Bolt has a lot to uh, contribute to those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a notepad. No, he he just says the thumbs up, thumbs down. Wait, wait, hang on. Go to that list again, real quick for me. So it was Tony Stark. Uh, it was Tony, Mister Fantastic, Namor, Black Bolt, Professor X, and Doctor Strange. They might as well just call it the Council of Assholes. Yeah, those are all the biggest assholes in the Marvel universe. Exactly. With Professor X possibly being candidate number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know. It, it certainly. It sets up an interesting space to move forward in the future. And, you know, this is a unique movie in terms of the MCU. This is um, the first time that a post-credit sting is truly closing off one chapter and starting a new one in, yeah. in a way that hasn't been done before. So I feel like coming out of this, they're going to have to do a Spider-Man 3 relatively soon because with that reveal, that's something you've got to kind of pick up fairly quickly. Yeah. It'd be hard to jump in like a couple years down the line. Everything's normal. Agreed. I would hate for it to be one of the situations where all of a sudden Spider-Man's like semi-retired because his identity was revealed and hiding out. I don't think they would do that. I would hope because, not. I mean, he, I he's kind stories. of, I think he's kind of realized he has to take on the Iron Man mantle. Yeah. And so he's going to want to take on more responsibility. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he has like some sort of, maybe he's like left school and is now doing some like kind of sciencey stuff. Kind of mm-hmm. the, the more modern version of Peter Parker who's got yeah. his own company. I mean, they could put him in the Reed Richards role, like with how much he already knew about dimension hopping when yeah. he was talking with, with Beck. Oh my God. We haven't even talked about the multiverse yet. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's all a joke. Well, so I don't know about you, but that's definitely something I was assuming was going to be a reveal. You don't throw something like the multiverse into a trailer and then not have a twist on it. So right. of course the twist is that Beck's explanation of the multiverse or his excuse is not real. But the idea has been introduced, so mm-hmm. we may still yet see a multiverse. Yeah. I mean, if Tony can figure out time travel after dinner, yeah, that's true. Anything anyone can figure out, yeah. dimension hopping, and maybe that'll be maybe even a teenage kid, maybe a teenage kid, and maybe mm-hmm. they'll be part of Ant Man, maybe they'll be part of Doctor Strange, maybe part of the Fantastic Four. We don't yet know. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know, any other... Uh, I do want to say I thoughts? have maybe my new favorite comedic moment in all of the MCU in this okay. movie. When Peter's on the plane with oh, yeah. uh, Martin Starr, uh, and he's talking about talking about the blip. He's like, oh, yeah, uh, I thought my wife had blipped. Uh, but I found out later that she had just run off with her yoga instructor. Uh, we had a fake funeral for her and everything. <laughs> I mean, the funeral wasn't faked. Uh, the, the emotions were... Martin Starr is so funny in this movie. He's so... Both him and the other teacher have a great dynamic going on. Uh, oh, I had it up. That's the Grease 2 cast list. Uh, oh, um, JB Smoove. Yeah. Yeah, they're really, really funny mm-hmm. all the way through it. I do wish we would have gotten Hannibal Burris in there somewhere. Yeah, he was great in the last one. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, th- there's still a lot of characters to, to come back around. Like, we didn't have um, uh, Donald Glover's character. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't come expecting back. him to come back. But he might come back in some capacity, right? Like yeah. We, there's still players on the table that weren't addressed in this movie that can come back again, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and the thing that I mentioned during the previous part was that uh, there is a trans actor in this movie, which is cool. Oh, who? Uh, he's never given a name, and I'm, I'm trying to see if I can look him up right now. He's he's one. He's the the kind of shorter kid, dark hair. It's always wearing a leather jacket when they're on the trip. Okay. Is it Michael Shannon? Yes. Nice. It's my good old Michael Shannon, chameleon at large. Oh, that that's the other rumor. Is uh when Peter is at, is is with uh Fury and Maria Hill, there's that third guy, Dimitri. And a lot of people think that he is going to be the chameleon. Oh. Mhm. Is, is 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 that character name the chameleon? I, I think Dimitri's real name is the chameleon. Is the sorry, other way around. The chameleon's real name is Dimitri. Yes. Um, I don't. I don't know. Oh, uh, Zach Barak was the uh, the actor. Okay. And the character's name is Zach. But yeah, I mean, I love it. He's just thrown in there. No mention of it. Just yeah. exists, which is great. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, baby baby steps. In baby the right steps. Way. We'll take we'll take baby steps. Maybe we can get some bigger ones. Um, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. That could be really cool. What? Uh, just reading a one-sentence thing on here. Uh, the chameleon commonly depicted as a master of disguise and the half-brother of Craven the Hunter. Oh. Yeah. I would really like to see Craven thrown in there. I would really love to see Craven. Who do you want to see? Who do you want to play him? Michael Shannon, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> the true the true man of mystery. I feel like there was another... I feel like there's someone else that was thrown at one point, but I can't remember who it was. Um, yeah, that we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Hugh Jackman. Yes. Hugh Jackman. I, I think actually that would be good casting. He wouldn't do it, but it'd be good. I, I, I don't think he's, um, I think he's too, but he doesn't have like the leanness. Yeah. I, I don't think, I mean, he, the man's fit, but I think it's not quite. Yeah. He, he can bulk up really well, but I don't think he, he has the like, cause Craven's kind of like a, he, he kind of has the body of a triath or of a, a, yeah. What's the 10 one? Uh, the decathlon, decathlete, yeah. Um, I mean, Luke Evans doesn't have the body, but I love Luke Evans. Yeah, and he can sing. And are Craven's, there any, are there Craven's esque yeah, are, are there any Chris's that we still need to to check off the list? Pine, but no, that wouldn't work. Yeah, I mean, Pine has been in a Marvel movie at this point. Which one? He was Spider Man. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's not right, an MCU film. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other hot Chris's out there we can cast. I'm yes, sure. but but. 
we will come back. What are you guys? Who who would you guys cast? Who would you cast as Craven Hunter? Yeah, we'd love to know that. Uh, so I, I think we'll probably skip um, bat plugs this week. Okay, if that works for you because we we've gone on decently long. Yeah, on our two fine. main topics here. Um, but I just had one quick uh, note from friends. Uh, I was chatting with Ashley Clark this morning, and uh, she got this really awesome tattoo that has the Jason Todd logo on it, like the Red Hood kind of Batman esque logo. And she was saying that the challenge is people ask her, like, oh, is that Batman? And she has to be like, well, yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. But her question to us was, to how would you describe Jason Todd, the character, to someone who doesn't know really anything about comics? Like, they know who Batman is. They have an idea who Robin is. How do you really quickly explain who Jason Todd is? Uh, I, would, I would go the spoiler-free route and just say that he's the second Robin after Nightwing leaves. Okay. Maybe after the, after uh, Dick Grayson leaves. Okay, maybe say like, oh, he's the second Robin after Dick Grayson, and like he ultimately took on a different persona called the Red Hood, and that's his logo. Uh, yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't even go that far. I'd probably just say he's the second Robin, uh, and then if they have any other follow up questions, then I will tread around. That. Okay, yeah, because I feel like if they're looking at a, a Batman esque logo and they're like, oh, that's the logo for Jason Todd, the second Robin, they're like. Oh, I mean, Ro- if it's why the does logo, Robin have a Batman logo? If it's the logo, then I would just say, oh no, that's that's the Red Hood. He's a Batman character. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess it's a good way to go to kind of go spoiler free as much as you can. Yeah. Because that character does have a very complicated history, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. It's like it would be hard to even point out who the Winter Soldier is to people who have like casually seen the MCU films. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, which guy? The, the guy with the robot arm and the long hair. The really attractive one. The super, the, the really hot guy. That yeah. one really hot guy. Yeah. No, 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 that, the other one. The other one. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 he's not named Chris. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, got it. Yeah. You're trying to explain to Gwyneth Paltrow who he is. Yeah. She has no idea. Uh, he's not He's not Chris. No, he doesn't have a goatee. No. He's not yeah. English. Is he English? He's not English. Is he English? No, he's, 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 he's American. Sebastian Stan, is he American? Yeah. I, yeah, I think he's also like a Northeasterner. I feel like he also has kind of that like uh, Boston, New York accent. Oh, okay. The mid-Atlantic accent. Yeah. Yeah, I guess a little bit. Mm-hmm. But no, okay, that's that's a good way of describing the Red Hood. Just, yeah, just vague as possible. Uh, Ashley Kirk also sent me a message earlier this morning mm-hmm. about um, it was some fan art of of the Bat family, the Bat kids. Yeah, and the art made me just think of if they re if they redid the Brady Bunch, but with the Bat family, and how just wonderful that would be. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Oh, we're gonna have to do something with that at some point because that sounds fucking fantastic. Yeah. Uh, all right, but I think should that should we do it? Should that wrap it? Let's wrap should we it. stop? Should we end? Should we go? Goodbye. Far from home. Yes. <laughs> all right. Get me out of here. Um, yes. If you uh, have more thoughts on Spider-Man: Far From Home, if you got a chance to see it after this podcast came out, uh, send us your messages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. We are at, at Tim Talk Pod. We'll read it out on the next episode. Or if you just have general questions like Ashley did about Jason Todd or any of all things. Yeah. And uh, tell us your casting for Craven. Yes. I would love to hear uh, people's suggestions on that. Cameron, where can they find you? Uh, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my uh, newly tanned, not sunburned face anymore, you can yeah. find that at CamDexter underscore adventures. I mean, it has settled into a very luxurious tan. Thank you. Yeah. It, it took a while and a lot of peeling. Yeah. It was very gross. My, I felt like a chameleon. But you're like you're like a, a butterfly. Yes. You you have shed your chrysalis mm-hmm. and you are beautiful and flapping about. Yes. And it just felt so gross. <laughs>
God, I bet it's always nasty. Mm-hmm. Where can they find you, Chris? Uh, I am at Lordifer on uh, Twitter and mostly Instagram. I'm finally like posting a few more things. You are. We we had so much fun on the Fourth of July. Got, yeah, I did a whole photo shoot for you. Yeah, we uh, we went out with our our, our friend Shane and uh, some other friends of ours. We ended up at the beach and we did an impromptu boy band style photo shoot. Yes. Uh, so you can see bits of that on both of our uh, our Instagrams. Mm-hmm. They Absolutely. are they are fantastic. It's very fun. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, super fun but yeah it's um that's that's it spider-man yes. he's wings yes it's good he shoots he scoots thanks for listening everyone <laughs> bye <laughs>